Welcome to the Home Church Podcast. My name's Kenny, and I serve as the lead pastor here at Home Church, and we gather in Maiden, North Carolina. We're so glad you tuned in to today's episode, and we hope that this episode will help encourage you and inspire you as you continue to follow Jesus step by step. Uh, hey, good morning. Everybody doing okay today? Awesome. That was super weak. And I'm going to tell you what, you're going to have to do better than that today because your boy's fired up. Today is going to be strong. You guys ready for a little strong today? Uh, I'm passionate. I'm fired up. I'm excited about the word that God has for us today. I say for us because, man, like this is for me too. And so uh, I'm excited you're here. If you are here for the very first time today, we're so excited uh, that you chose to be with us today. Uh, Welcome to Home Church. My name's Kenny, and it's my great honor to be our lead pastor here at Home Church. And uh, one of the things that we say all the time is that this is a house anyone can call home. And, And what that means is that anyone that's Really, that's anyone. So wherever you've been, whatever you've done, whoever you've done it with, uh, we, don't, we don't really care about all that. We're just glad you're here, and we believe God is going to meet you here today. And so thank you for being here. Uh, we're we're going to continue in a series today that we're calling Four, F-O-R. Can you all say four with me? Say four. Yeah. And so last week we started uh, with uh, this idea of four. And the truth is, is that when you look at our entire culture and you look at people, you even look at organizations, everyone is very quick and able to tell you what they are against, right? We're, We're always able to tell you what we hate and what we dislike and what we're against. But very rarely in our culture, and very rarely do we even see in the church where we talk about what we're actually for, And so this entire series is meant for that purpose. It is meant for us to take a look at the scriptures and understand what God or what Jesus is for. And so for those of us that are followers of Jesus, what that means is that that means that we have to be for the exact same things that our God is for. And so rather than being against all the other stuff, we're going to focus on what he has called us to be for. And then as a church, practically, what does that mean for us as a gathered body of believers, as an ecclesia? That's the word that we get church from. And really what that is, is a gathered body of believers, which you are. And so what we want to do is we want to take a look at what we're for as a church. And then very practically, what does that mean for you as a follower of Jesus and as a part of home church? What does that mean you are called to be four in your life. And so we started uh, last week around kind of one scripture, and it's, uh, I'm going to be all over the place, and so if you have your Bible, you can pull that out. If you have the YouVersion Bible app, you can pull that out as well. There's a live event happening right now where you can see all of the scripture that we're going to teach through today. Uh, maybe you have the Home Church app. You've downloaded that. There are sermon notes, again, that has all of the scripture for today. And if you don't have any of that, your boys got you covered. All right. We got some screens here uh, that we're going to be able to throw it on. And if you're watching online, we're going to be able to uh, put it right here at the bottom of the screen. And so if you uh, have your Bible, join me in Romans um, chapter eight and verse 31. And this is kind of where we started this entire conversation. So so Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, is writing uh, to the church in Rome, and he's writing and he's really recounting the gospel to this church. And he gets to this moment here in Romans 8.31 when he's, he's finished preaching, in essence, reminding them about the gospel, the good news. And he says, what then shall we say in response to these things? So he's reminded them about all of the good news that they have, and he's like, well, how do we respond And here's what he said. He said, if God is for us, who can be against us? 
If God is for us, who can be against us? And so this is kind of the, the, the basis of what we want to talk about during this entire series is taking a look at what is God for? And when he is for something and he is for us, what do we have to worry about? What do we have to worry about? Who is against us? What is against us? What we're against? We need to worry about what we're for. And so last week we talked about that. Uh, the, the big idea is that we are for all. I want you to say that with me. Say for all. Okay, okay. Here's here, let me just here for all. That's what I heard from you. Okay. Uh, Jesus said that he is for all. And as a church and as believers, we are called to be for all. Can you say for all with some gusto? Thank you. That's a little better, okay? And so what he said is that anyone who is far off, that he is for them. And anyone uh, who, who the Lord may call, he is for them. This is for all people that that promise is true for. This is what Peter preached in Acts 2. And so today we're going to take another look at what God is for. And I want you to join me. I know I sent you to Romans already. Go back to the Old Testament and pull up Joshua, the book of Joshua. And, uh, and we're going to take a look at, at one of, honestly, one of the most well-known verses in all of Scripture. Uh, and if you've ever been to Hobby Lobby, you've seen this on their coffee mugs and on, on wicker baskets and all the you know, mirrors and the whole thing that they have. You're, you're going to know this. Um, and so I, I want to walk you through this today. And I'm just going to tell you, so I've encouraged you to talk back to me today. I've already given you a heads up. I'm going to warn you one more time. Uh, this is, I feel the power of the Holy Spirit on me today because this is a word for our church and for our generation. And I'm telling you, I'm going I'm to come hard today. And I do it out of love, but I'm, I'm coming because I have such conviction over this. Okay, so I hope you're all ready for that. Joshua chapter 24, starting in verse 14. So Joshua is coming towards uh, the end of his days and he is recounting God's faithfulness and he comes up to this moment and he's challenging the people, his, the folks that he's leading. And he says this, he says, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away any gods, that's lower G gods, your ancestors worshiped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Joshua's saying, hey, the, these idols, these gods that you had uh, back in Egypt, you need to get rid of those things. We, we, gotta, we gotta move past that stuff. Verse 15, and this is an interesting thing that he says, watch this. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. I'm gonna pause there. Isn't that an interesting thing that Joshua said? If serving the Lord is undesirable to you, then you have a choice, is what he's saying. And I don't know about you, but to me, that is exactly what we're faced with today. Because there are so many people in our culture who actually have no desire to follow the Lord. There's no desire for them. But watch what Joshua says, and, and this, is, this is the thing you're going to know. You're going to know this, okay? And he says... Uh, I'm going to go back. I'm going to do verse 15 again, the whole verse 15. You with me here? Great. Thank you. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods, lower G, your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. Watch this. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. You ever heard that before? So today, I want to tell you 
that what our God is for is what Joshua declares right here in this moment. And he says, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I want you to say, for me and my house. For me and my house, we will serve the Lord. See, there is a clear choice that Joshua gave to the people and that you and I also have a choice to do today, which is what will we serve? Will we serve the lower G gods uh, that, that, are, that exist in our life? Or will we serve idols? See, the reality is, is that you will make a stand on who you will worship and who you will serve one way or the other. There is a choice to be made for each and every single one of us. And Joshua makes a declaration. He says, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He makes a declaration. And so today I came to very clearly and as articulately as I can, but also as passionately and fervently and with urgency, I came to tell you today that we as a church, home church, and we as believers are meant to be for me and my house. And I don't mean that like Kenny and his house. Okay, what, what I mean is we are called to be for you and your house. So when you say for me and my house, I want you to say it like you mean it for you. Say for me and my house. For you and your house. For me and my house. Lord, be with us today. Father, may your word not return void. May you speak clearly to your people today. And may we follow and serve the Lord. For me and my house, Father, we will serve the Lord. Um, I, I just, I want you to see this because we all have a choice to make. And I want you to see what happens here. So the story continues uh, in Joshua chapter 24, started in verse 16. And so the people respond to Joshua's declaration. And they say, then uh, it says this in verse 16, then the people answered, far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. <laughs> far be it from us. That's never going to happen. Verse 17 it was the Lord our God himself who brought us and our parents up out of Egypt from the land of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our entire journey and among all the nations through which we traveled. And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites who lived in the land. We too will serve the Lord because he is our God. And so the people responded, yeah, 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 cool, awesome. We're in, like we're in. We too will serve the Lord. They talked about his faithfulness and what they had seen with their own eyes, what God had done. And here's what's cool is that many of us in the church, we have this. Right, So I can stand up here and say, hey, for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. For you and your house, we're going to serve the Lord. And we can recount all of God's faithfulness in our lives and across our journey. And not to say there hasn't been difficult times. I mean, they spent 400 years in slavery. Okay, but they understood how good God had been to them and how faithful he had been. And many of us can stand and make that same declaration. And when I call you to that today, you're like, yeah, yeah, cool, I'm in. I'm in. Yeah, Pastor Kenny, that sounds great. Like, I, I, I'm in. I'm for me and my house. And I love that. And, and I hope that that is something that you can declare today. But I want to show you how this actually plays out. Okay, because, it, and if you have your physical Bible, you'll see this because you're in Joshua chapter 24. It's probably one to two pages over. So if you skip over to Judges chapter 2, it's literally one or two page, uh, page turns of your Bible to get to this. Joshua is about to die. And so he's been leading the people. He made this declaration and they said, yeah, 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 we're in, we're in, we're in. And, and, and now Joshua is coming to the end of his days. He's about to die. And I want you to see what happens. Josh, Judges chapter two, starting in verse six. It says this. 
After Joshua had dismissed the Israelites, they went to take possession of the land, each to their own inheritance. The people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and the elders who outlived him and who had seen all the great things that the Lord had done for Israel. So this generation lived faithful serving the Lord. But watch what happens. Verse 8, Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. And they buried him in the land of his inheritance at Timnath Heres, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gaiash. Watch this. And after that whole generation had gathered to their ancestors, meaning after that whole generation had died out, another generation grew up who neither knew the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Joshua and the leaders of the church died and then raised up another generation who the Bible says neither knew the Lord or what he had done for Israel. Verse 11, then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served Baals, which are false gods. Remember what they said earlier? Far be it from us to forsake the Lord, right? Verse 12, they forsook the Lord and the God of their ancestors who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshiped various gods of the peoples around them. They aroused the Lord's anger because they forsook him and served Baal and the Asherites. One generation later, they didn't know the Lord. Can I just tell you that as I look across the scope of our culture, this is what I see. This is what I see living active right now. And I'm so glad you're here today and, and I'm excited, but, but today I, I need to speak something, not just over our church, but I need to speak something over our entire generation. Because has, have, having come past a generation who faithfully served the Lord and, and really brought this nation into being under the idea of, of Christian values, we now have a generation who that is no longer the case. A generation later, we stand and you see it in your everyday life. We have a generation who neither knows the Lord or what he's done for us. And I just want to tell you that we have a generation of family destruction that is so prevalent right now. We have a fatherless generation, broken homes that are messed up, destroyed. We have a generation who will scream that we need to put prayer and the Ten Commandments back in the schoolhouse, and yet nobody prays and reads the Bible in their own house. We have a generation who no longer values life, even the most of innocent life. The only way that we sense love is who we sleep with rather than the love of God for our neighbor, for our family, for the alien, the orphan, and the widow. We have a generation whose fathers have spent their time and been taught, if you will provide for your family, that's all you need. And so today, I want to speak to the men of the house. Now, don't tighten up on me. Okay, and I know, I, I know you think like, I, I need you to, I, I want you to lean in, men. I, I love you. 
And I wanna speak to you today as a father and I wanna speak to you today as a brother and I wanna speak today as your pastor who loves you and I love you enough to tell you the truth. And here's what I need for you to understand that because we have a generation who has left us fatherless in so many ways, it is time for the men of the church to step into your rightful and God-ordained role and opportunity and responsibility to be the leaders of your house, the leaders of this house and the leaders of our community and our country and the world. Men, we have for far too long allowed women to take over the role of leadership when you were called by God to be the leaders of your house. And I'm going to get to the women part. So y'all hang on. Don't be too ticked off at me about that part. But here's what I need you to hear. You can clap for that. And, And ain't no men clapping and that's fine. Okay. Thank you, Nathan. Men, Joshua made a declaration. For me and for my house, we will serve the Lord. And it is time for us to make that same declaration again and to say, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It is a declaration that the men of the church need to stand up and make. And here's what I I get it. I know, I know that you didn't have daddies around you who probably taught you this. I know that you had daddies who worked all the time and who were too busy to do these things and to teach you these things. I get it. You didn't have an example probably in front of you who loved you and loved your mama and led you in the ways of the Lord. I know you got all the excuses in the world, but here's the thing. If we're going to be followers of Jesus and we're going to do what he called us to do, and we are going to be for the things that he called us for, men especially, we have to be for our house. We have to be for our house. It is no longer enough. Men, I'm telling you, I love you, but it is no longer enough for us just to go to work and make enough money to come back and pay the bills. It is no longer enough for us to be able to go to work and do all the stuff and come home and make the yard look good and make sure that the boat's cleaned up and make sure that we have a fully funded financial portfolio and to do all the stuff and to go and to lead in the office and to lead on the sports fields and to lead everyone else and not to love and lead your wife and not to love and lead your children. It is no longer acceptable, especially in this house. There is accountability between us and there's accountability between the Lord for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that means for us as men, we are called to lead and to love our wife and our children and lead them in the ways of the Lord. No longer is it okay for the ways of this world, the other gods, lower G gods and the idols that we have, work, money, fame, influence, uh, sports, dance, you name it, all the other things that take precedence in our life. If you are going to be a follower of Jesus and you are going to be for what God says he is for, you will be for you and your house. What good is it if your children know about every sport and all the scientific theories and they don't know the love of Jesus through their mama and through their daddy? What good is it? What good is it if you have all of the things of the world and your wife doesn't know you and doesn't understand you and you don't know her and you don't understand her because you're too busy taking care of all the other things? What good is it when your children and your wife see you get excited about serving the people at your work and even serving your neighbor and loving other people and they don't see you get excited about serving them? What good is that? It is garbage. 
It is garbage. And I'm telling you, I came today, and I know some of y'all are upset with me, and I know you think I'm being harsh, and I know you think, think I'm being difficult, but I love you so much. And I'm telling you, this generation is broken, and it is going to take me, and it is going to take you, and it is going to take this house starting right here in Denver to change something or nothing will ever change. For me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I'm telling you, for a home church, as I get a chance to pastor, for me and this house, we will serve the Lord. And what that means sometimes is telling you difficult things that nobody else tells you. But I love you, and I believe God has better for you, and I believe he has better for your wife and your children and your family, and I am sick of divorce, and I am sick of fatherless homes, and I am sick of a generation that has fallen to the world and no longer knows the Lord or what he's done for us, and that will change with us. It will. It has to. Your children... And I'm, listen, and it's quiet in here, and I get it. And, and, and listen, I, you need to know this. I refuse to apologize. I'm not going to apologize. Because the thing is, is that for far too long, people have apologized for standing in front of you and calling you to better. Well, I'm sorry. I don't want to be the bad guy, but I'm not doing it. I love you way too much. And this house has way more important things to do than to just let you slide in and slide out and do whatever you want to do without telling you and calling you to what God calls us to. I'm not going to apologize. The other thing that I want you to hear, men and women, don't worry, I'm coming to you. We don't understand the gift of our children that God gave us because we don't understand the purpose in which he gave them to us. See, we, we think about that our children are, are just this, this gift because they come around us and they further our legacy. I want to show you and I want to tell you that the gift of your children is a purpose and purposed by God for kingdom purposes. Look at this. Slide over to Psalm 127. It's going to be on the screen. Psalm 127. Look at what the Bible says about your children. Children are, an inherit, are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Look at that, men. Your children are a reward. How cool is that? You didn't do nothing. <laughs> well, you did a little something. But your children are a reward. Why? Why does God reward you with these children? Watch this. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in courts. I want you to think about this. I'm not an archer. Uh, I, I, if I actually pulled out a bow and arrow, y'all should all be afraid for your life. That's why I didn't bring one up for illustration. But if you imagine a, a bow and if you imagine arrows and a quiver is, is, the, is the pouch that holds your arrows. And if you imagine every one of your children is one of those arrows that God has rewarded and gifted you for kingdom purpose. And it is meant because you as the warrior take aim at whatever God calls you to. And I know we're talking about four, but the reality is, is there are times in which God calls us to be in opposition to some things. 
And your children are an arrow meant for skilled craftsmen and warriors to take aim with the children that they raise up and to let fly into the culture a dagger into the heart of the enemy and to the heart of culture. Because for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And for me and my children, I will raise them up in the ways of the Lord. And when they're old, they won't depart from it. So when I let loose of an arrow of my children, they will go flying into whatever place that God's called me to send them into the heart of the enemy and into the heart of this culture as an arrow to kill and destroy what seeks to kill and destroy us. We will be able to raise up and use our children. And listen, this is, I want to be very clear. Your your children aren't tools to go fight with, but your children are an asset that God gives you to be prepared with and to send out for his purposes. And when we don't understand that, when we just think, well, we're supposed to just raise up our kids and teach them to be good people. And then when they go marry their own and do this other stuff, man, we hope it turns out all right. No, no. That's how generations get lost. That's how generations don't know the Lord or the things he's done for us because we're so passive with the way that we raise up our children. It's the reason that so many other things take precedent over even coming to church and being involved. I had a drug problem when I was a kid because my mama drug my butt to church every Sunday. I'm sure that's true of some of y'all. Oh, we're getting to that. Hear this. We believe that the most beautiful, intimate, and important gathering of home church doesn't happen here on Sundays, but it happens in your home. At your kitchen table, at your uh, living room sofa, at the bedside of your children, that is where the most important, most intimate, and most impactful gathering of the church happens in your house. In your house. I want to show you some stats to back this up. Uh, There's some studies that have been done that say some really powerful things that I need you to see here. There's a study. uh, If I were to ask you to raise your hand, many of you, most of you would say that when your children get older, you want them to go to church, right? Is that a fair? I mean, I think that's a pretty fair statement that you would hope your children would go to church when they get older. Well, a study was done that said that the likelihood of children who go to church changes based on parent involvement in church. Watch this. Uh, If both parents attend church, there's a 72% likelihood that your children, when they are adults, will attend church. 72% if both parents attend. That goes down if only dad attends, 55%. It goes down even further if only mom attends, 15%. Hear that. If only mom attends church, the likelihood of your children being raised in church when they're older, only 15%. If neither parent attends church consistently, only 6% of children are likely to attend church when they're older. You want to know how we lost a generation that neither knows the Lord or what he did for us? Because mamas and daddies stopped showing up to church themselves. Here's another stat. You want to know why I'm, men, I love you. I really do. And if you know me off of here, you know, like, I love you. I'll put my neck around you. I'm going to razz you, give you a hard time. Like, I'm just telling you, today is one of those moments that that God has, has punctured my heart over this as men. And I want you to hear this stat. This is critical that you understand this. Uh, there's a study done that the likelihood of your children meeting Jesus, listen to this. If the father meets Jesus, let's just say a new family comes to home church together and the father meets Jesus, 
that means that there is a 93% likelihood that their children will meet Jesus. 93% if the father meets Jesus, that the children will meet Jesus. That's huge. It's huge. Here's another reason that our families matter so much. Another study kind of like dug into that a little more. And the study says that that 50% of the people who meet Jesus are led to Jesus by their parents. 50% of people who meet Jesus are actually led to Jesus by their parents. And so what I'm saying is, is that the family unit is critical to the potential eternity and salvation of your children. It's, it's huge. And so daddies, when, when I'm calling you to better, when I'm calling you to say that I am for me and my house, I, I, think, I think it matters that you understand that your wife's salvation and your children's salvation is largely influenced by you and the way that you lead and the way that you attend and the way that you serve and the way that you're involved. You have a very active part in the eternity of your wife and children. Do you get that? Do you get it? That's huge. Your, etern- your kid's eternity. It's a big deal. I have a few other things to address really quickly. Women. <laughs> You're like, okay. Men are like, Woo! okay. Women. I want to be very clear. What I said earlier is not a slight on you. Please don't hear that. It's not a slight on you. In fact, man, there's so many women in our church that that have stepped up and led because of absentee husbands and absentee fathers, uh, people who are, maybe you're not even married and you have children, maybe you've been divorced. I want to be very clear that God uses you and he calls you for incredible purposes. And we believe that you're a tremendous part of this house. And what I said earlier about the men leading does not discount you and your role either, because it is vital that the mamas of this house, the women of this house continue to lead, especially in the absence of the men, which shouldn't be true, but it is. But, but it's so critical. And I just want to tell you that it is because of a woman that home church even exists. See, I grew up hating church. And I come from a, a divorce background where, where my daddy left and had nothing to do with us. And my mom continued to drag me to church. And I met Jesus when I was 13. And of course, like many of us, walked away, had some issues, but but God drew me back in. And the truth is, is that home church wouldn't exist without Pam Mills. Thank God for Pam Mills. Now, some of y'all don't get that because, but that's a, some of y'all heard some other people say it. It's because it is a real thing. Thank God for you mamas. Thank God for the women of this house. Thank God for faithful women who will lead and care and drag their kids to church and get them dressed and do whatever it takes. And so whether you're, you have children and you're not married, maybe you're, you're a woman and you are dealing with, and you've walked through divorce or walking through divorce. I, I just want to encourage you. Maybe you're a woman and you have a, a, a husband or a father who is completely absent from the situation. I just want to encourage you and I want to say thank you. I want to say like great job and continue you to lead and to care for your children and your household the best you know how. And that declaration is true for you. For me and my house, we will serve the Lord because women, you know this, but you have a lot of influence in your house and you need to use it and use it for the kingdom to point your family to Jesus. 
There's another population that I want to talk to, and it's maybe folks you're sitting here like, yeah, man, but like I hear that, but like I'm I'm in my 60s, my kids are already gone, uh, maybe even like one of your one of your spouse your spouse is no longer around, and you're like, well, how does this pertain to me? I want to tell you that you have a tremendous influence on your children still, even as adults. You have tremendous influence even with your grandchildren that you may not even understand. But even past that, maybe you don't have a relationship that you feel like you can lean into that. Can I invite you into relationship into this church where you get a chance to be a part of molding some of the younger families and younger marriages and younger relationships that exist? 80% of our church is young families. Like if you look around the room, like we got a bunch of 30s and 40-year-olds that have young kids and like we need your help. We need your wisdom. We need your expertise. We need everything that you've walked through. We need it and you still get a part to play in that, I'm inviting you in, play a part in the rest of the story for the people of this church. It's gonna have an impact. I got one more group of people. Maybe you're a teenager in the room, maybe you're a young adult and you're not married yet, or maybe you're engaged. Can Can I just tell you a couple of things? I'm gonna speak to the young men. Young men, you get a chance right now before you're even married to influence what your marriage and your family will look like. When you follow in the ways of the Lord right now and you expect that of someone that you attach your life to, it's gonna change everything. How you lead them, how you, how, how you lead them and love them even before you get married, how you make good, healthy decisions before you even get married. I saw a statistic this week that says that if a couple cohabitates before they get married, meaning if they live together before they get married, they have a 15% higher likelihood of being divorced. Young men, these women that are gonna come alongside of you, lead them in the ways of the Lord. Young women, if you meet a young man and he doesn't love the Lord, he is not your project to save. Uh, He is not yours to change and you need to run away if he doesn't love the Lord and can't lead you in the ways of the Lord. He will not change. If you see anger, you see drunkenness, you see all these things that are antithetical away from the ways of the Lord, do not attach yourself to that. God has better for you. He will give you better. Be patient and wait on the right thing for him to bring it along. But I'm telling you, making the wrong decision over lust when you're young and when you're trying to just get married and just trying to have babies, it will cause you a lifetime of heartache and hurt that you don't need. If you will just be patient and wait on the Lord, he is faithful to give you what you need and what he desires for you, which is good. Wait and be patient. So I woke up and chose violence today. Um, (laughs) Just kidding. Man, I I know I'm coming strong. And and listen, here's, here's what I fully know. And I want you to hear this out of love. I know for a fact There are some of you that will leave today and you will never come back because of this. I know it. And I want to tell you that I love you. So before you leave and you're all ticked off at Kenny and that kind of thing, I want you to hear this. I really do love you. And I really do want God's best for you. And I'm not standing up here like yelling and preaching angry at you. I'm I'm standing up here. I'm bringing conviction of the Holy Spirit out of my heart because I'm telling you this is true in my life too. Remember earlier when I said, like, this is something for us? Y'all, this is for me too. 
Like, even as your pastor, like, there are times I struggle to lead my family well. There are times I struggle to, like, bring my kids around and pray with them often. There are times that I fall prey to the ways of the world. Even doing the work of the ministry, there are times that I've chosen my work and you and your families over my family. And so I'm not standing up here preaching at you from the top of the mountain saying, come on up. What I'm saying is, is that God is doing a work in my heart and he's doing a work in our church. And so this isn't just at you. This is for you. And this is for me too. So I'm walking this journey with you to try to love and lead my wife and my children the best I know how in the ways of the Lord. And so I want you to hear this. So when you walk out ticked off today, it, I, I promise you, if you will get over the fact that you're mad at me and you look at the conviction of your heart, I believe that you will see that it is the Lord who is calling you to greater today, not Kenny Mills. I really believe that. And so I talked to you about how the home, for us, it, it's the most important and most intimate and most impactful gathering of home church. Right outside of that for our church is our home groups. It's the next uh, largest and most intimate gathering. And so coming up this fall, I want to tell you that it is my desire that everyone in our church would be in a home group. Everyone. Everyone. So we have a team that's raising up leaders and preparing groups right now to be ready. And, and so I'm not asking you to sign up today, but coming this fall, I'm going to put a challenge in front of you. and We're going to walk through a series together in our home groups. And I want to invite you into that family because I think it's going to be healthy for you to walk together with other people who are doing life similarly to what you are. Have children the same age or maybe retired, kids not in the house, whatever that might look like. It's important. It's important. And then the third largest gathering that we have is here on Sundays. It's, it's here on Sundays. That's how we gather as a church. Those are, and frankly, those are the level of importance that we see the church as well. Your home matters most, your home group next, and then the Sunday gathering is important. We want you to be here because this is when we get to gather together. And because we are for you and your house, I want to tell you really quickly, and I'm going to wrap this up. I want to tell you really quickly about four areas, four things that we do as a church to show you and to walk alongside of you to show you that we are for you and your house. Uh, and the first one is this, it's Treehouse Kids. Uh, can we just give a little clap for those that are serving in Treehouse Kids today? Maybe you got kids that are back there. Treehouse Kids serves ages uh, five, six weeks to fifth grade, six weeks to fifth grade in a clean, fun, safe environment. Now, one of the things that I love is my children come home all the time saying Bible verses. Like they, 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 they're going to say Bible verses. We get a chance to talk to them about stuff. And today they're having a PJ dance party, which is fun. We're going to make it fun and it's always going to be safe, but we want to teach them about Jesus on their level. And we're going to come alongside of you as parents to, to not only do that on Sunday, we're going to give you resources that when you go home, you can lead your family in discussions or in prayer or in Bible stories and things like that. We're going to come alongside of you. And I just want to also make an ask for those of you that have the ability, maybe some of you have a desire, there is a need in Treehouse Kids for you to serve and be a part of it. Man, if you'd just be willing to give us one Sunday a month and serve, that would be huge. That's you. Hey, stop by the guest services area on your way out today. Say, hey, I, I think I want to help out with Treehouse Kids. But for this in our house, we're going to raise up our children in the ways of the Lord. And then when they come out of Treehouse Kids, they go into Fuse which is our student ministry. We got Nate over here as our student leader. And listen, it's important. This is one of the most vulnerable ages of children. 
between the ages of 12 and 17, 18, whenever they graduate. And we have uh, adults who love them and want to pour into them and see foundation laid in their life to, to bring family around them. It's critical. And so if you have a, a student, man, they need to be involved in Fuse every single Wednesday night. We're going to teach them. We're going to raise them up. And we want to also resource you as parents to deal with teenagers because, yo, they're wild. Like, we know that. It's crazy. And then we have, we, we do something that really no one else does in our area. We do something called rally, which is for young adults. So if you have uh, someone in your life who's 18 to, to 28, they're a young adult, even if they're married, we do something where we rally together because we think it's important that young adults still stay involved in the church. Young adults typically go off. They, when their parents send them out to college, that's the last time they come back to church until they're married and have children for the most part. We want to change that. We want to serve a, a young adult population and keep them in community and keep them involved and keep them serving, keep them active in the church. We want to be a part of their life. And then the last thing is, like I talked about, it's the Sunday gathering. Our heart here on Sundays is to raise you up and to equip you in the ways of the Lord so that when you go home, you can lead your wife, you can lead your children, you can lead your family, you can even lead better in the office or out in the field or whatever that might look like for you. We wanna give you the word of the Lord to settle in your heart so you go out and you live out the word of the Lord in your life. I told you about the statistic about children meeting Jesus. Uh, part of that study uh, says that 80% of children meet Jesus because of their family or church. So if you're raising up your children in your house in the ways of the Lord, and you bring them to church, the likelihood of your child meeting Jesus is 80%. It's pretty good odds. That's pretty good odds. I'll take that. So I'm calling you to these things, not just me, but, but the Lord calls us to be for me and my house, for you and your house. The Lord is for you. He is for you and your house. Now, this is, a, this is a message that I've taught before. This is a part of who we are as a church. And about nine months ago, I went and visited our men's home group. And, and one of the leaders in our church started to share a little bit of his testimony uh, and close to a year ago, last summer, uh, I taught a similar message around this, kind of casting vision over our church, calling our church to be about uh, leadership in the home. And, uh, and listen, by the way, you will always hear me teach on this. This is who we are. This is what we're about as a church. And this man heard this message, and, and it really, like, the Lord grabbed hold of his heart. And he went home, and he told his wife. He confessed. He apologized. He said, hey, like, some things have got to change around here. I'm sorry. I know I need to lead. I know I've got to love you better. I've got to lead my children and love them better. And so he started making some very practical changes in his life. He started reading his Bible more. It was awkward as all get out, but he started to pray with his wife and his kids more. You know what else he did? He started to stop working so much overtime so that he could actually come home and be present. He made some very practical changical changes in his life. And he was, he was telling us this testimony. 
And he said, hey, listen, like it didn't happen overnight, but along the way I started to realize my entire life was changing because my wife and I started to get along better. We weren't arguing as much. And when we did, like we were able to solve those things better. He said, I have better relationship with my children. I actually know more of what they're involved in. They know they can count on daddy to come home. Like he started to talk about how it literally changed his life. And that is exactly what the Lord wants for you too. And that is exactly what I beg God to give you from today. That he would summon up some faith in your heart to deal with the awkward. Yo, it's, it's weird to try to start praying with your wife when you've never done it before. It is weird. I'm going to fully tell you that. It's awkward. It's hard. You don't know what to say. You don't know what to pray. You'll hold her hand and say, uh, Lord, thank you for today. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> and you're done. And you're done. But, yo, that's, thank the Lord. It's a start. And then along the way, you're, you're going to go and you're going to sit by your kid's bed and you're going to open up a Bible storybook and you're going to read them stories and they're going to start asking you questions about God and you ain't got a clue. So it's going to send you back to your Bible to try to be able to understand the ways of God so that you can lead and teach your kids when they ask you. And then all of a sudden your friends and your family are going to start to notice something different about you and your marriage and your kids. And they're going to be like, yo, what's going on with you? Like, this is like, it's good, but something's going on with you. What is it? And you're going to say, I, man, I, I don't, I don't, man, I just started to leave my family. I just started to pray with my wife. I just started to like really invest in my children because I saw that there's kingdom purpose in it, not just raising up kids for a legacy. I saw that me being at work all the time and all the amount of money in the world didn't matter because my wife was ready to leave me because our marriage was ruined because all I cared about money. I thought I was providing. I wasn't providing what she needed. This is a call to make a declaration for you and your house. Whom will you serve? There is a choice. And oh, by the way, you make the choice every single day when you wake up. Whom will I serve today? Will I serve the lower G gods? Will I serve idols? Or will I serve the Lord? And when I serve the Lord, you know what he's for and he calls me and you to be for? For me and my house. For me and my house. So here's the invitation today. It's actually very simple. Whom will you serve? Young adult, who will you serve? You're going to serve Instagram and Facebook and Snapchat and TikTok and all the ways of the world, scholarships and sports, or will you serve the Lord? Young adult, are you going to serve the lust of your life and, and, and just trying to like live by the world and drinking and smoking and doing all that stuff, or are you going to turn and are you going to serve the Lord? Mama, you going to do it on your own power or will you serve the Lord? Daddy, men, you just going to keep making that bank, keep providing? Or will you understand that that is a part of the way that you serve the Lord? Whom today will you serve? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And my question for you today is this, whom will you serve? 
And by the way, I'm going to ask you to make a declaration right here and right now. And it might just be for today. And by the way, I don't want you to be fake and weird and be like, nah, man, like this is no manipulation. But I want to give you a moment right now that if you would settle in your heart, if you would settle in your mind and you would settle in your spirit, that from this day moving forward, you will be for you and your house. Your declaration will be for me and for my house. And I don't care if you're a teenager and I don't care if you're 90 and you about like on oxygen about to go for however many days you've got left in this life. Whom will you serve? Will you serve God's or will you serve the Lord? Who will you serve? So here's the invitation. No eyes closed, no heads bowed with the light still on. Who will you serve? Who will you serve? And I'm going to call the men to lead the way. Men, young men, boys, If you know right now, and maybe you're already doing it, and I want to celebrate that, praise the Lord. But if you know that the declaration of your heart has to be, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Stand to your feet right now and say it. For me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Stand to your feet and say it. Say it out loud. For me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Men, I will do everything I have in my power to help you, to serve you, to lead you, to give you everything that I've got. And this house will give you everything that we've got to allow you, to help you, and to come alongside of you, to change a generation. And it will start with you. It will start with you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Women. Mamas, little girls. There's a lot of men standing, but this is a declaration for you too. Whom today will you serve? Whom today will you serve? If you will serve the Lord, will you stand to your feet and make that declaration? I will serve the Lord. For me and my house, I will serve the Lord. Amen. Lord, we love you. And Father, we thank you. God, you're good to us. God, you're mighty, you're powerful, but God, you love us so beautifully and intimately. You have called us to be for the things of the Lord. And Father, more importantly than practically anything else, that we would be for our house and our family in leading them in the ways of the Lord. For today, we choose to serve you. For me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Father, I commit this house to you as well. For as long as you give me the breath and as long as you give me the power and as long as you give me the ability to stand here, Father, I will lead this house in the ways of the Lord. Father, for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. Father, for we and this house, we will serve the Lord. Lord, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If there's anything that we can do to serve you or come alongside of you in your journey, please reach out. You can reach us at hello at myhomechurch.cc.